Welcome to the Hidden Orchard Podcast. On this podcast, we will explore the deeper concepts and the intersection of Jewish wisdom, the New Testament, and science. We will bring you fascinating insights from the ancient and modern sources, all with the goal of improving and getting the most out of life. Visit our website at thehiddenorchard.com to subscribe to our newsletter and get more information like this. Now, today's episode. There's a bizarre story that seems to be out of place in the flow of the Gospels. In this story, Jesus curses and destroys a random fig tree on the side of the road. The story concludes with many rightfully scratching their heads, which generally paves the way for numerous different and interesting interpretations. Aside from Jesus being something akin to hangry, the most common explanation I've heard seeks to bolster the replacement theology perspective, that in this passage, Israel, i.e. the Jewish people, have been formally rejected through this event. Not a fig tree, but the olive tree usually represents the nation of Israel in the various Midrashim, or the folk legend. The fig tree holds its own significance, as we will see. So let's dig into this story and see if we can make sense of it. The first problem we have to understanding this stems from the unfamiliarity with the literary genre we are reading. As a first century Jewish work, The New Testament seems less intent on being a journalistic play-by-play account of events and discussions. Rather, it seems to be filled with mysticism, apocalyptic overtones, rabbinic pedagogy, and midrashic imagery from within the colloquial Jewish tradition. That would be the oral tradition. More often, the authors are known to weave a tapestry of homiletic teachings for the reader's spiritual development, and again, less interested in the details of the play-by-play. With these in mind, it seems the chronological order of this gospel is less important. This is evidenced through Matthew and Mark's telling, which, though contain the same components, differ in the sequence of them. What is relevant are the events and locations mentioned in proximity to the cursing of the fig tree, and how they might relate to the message. In the Bible, we're given the glimpse that fig trees represent something deeper. We see this when Adam and Eve reach for leaves from a nearby tree, a fig tree to cover themselves in Genesis 3-7. From here, the commentators begin their multi-century discussion about the significance of figs. Some opinions connect figs with the tree of knowledge of good and evil. In Jeremiah, we see a remez, a hint, connecting figs to a kind of spiritual barometer. We're of course familiar with the statement, a tree is known by its fruit, and similar statements like this. This metaphor is actually quite prolific and used consistently throughout the rabbinic literature and the New Testament. In Jeremiah 24.2, we read, One basket contained very good figs, like first ripened figs, and the other basket contained very bad figs, so bad that they could not be eaten. In this, the prophet is telling us that there is a difference we should be taking notice of here. We see something similar in Joel 2.22 as well, and we're given the idea that figs also indicate the season, in the literal and in the eschatological sense. This will begin to build the foundation for the cursing of the fig tree incident. In the Talmud, we see many discussions about figs as well, some that utilize these above metaphors. In some opinions, figs and fig trees represent the wisdom of the Torah. The sages explain Erevin 54. Why were matters of Torah compared to a fig tree? They reason, whenever a person searches for figs to eat, he finds figs in the tree, as the figs on the tree do not ripen all at once, 
so that one can always find a recently ripened fig. So too with matters of Torah, whenever a person meditates upon them, he finds in them new meaning. Another source tells us, why is the Torah compared to a fig? The, again, again, the sage's reason. Rather, all fruits contain something inedible. Dates have pits, grapes have seeds, pomegranates have shells. However, a fig is completely good to eat. Similarly, the words of Torah do not have anything unfit in them. And of course, if you want these sources, you can go to my website, thehiddenorchard.com, and find this article. Or click on the show notes for this podcast. Here we're seeing that these unique properties of figs and fig trees make them a perfect subject from which to build a midrash. Now, in the Gospel account, juxtaposed to the fig tree incident, we're told that Jesus cleans the temple area of vendors and other riffraff seeking to profit off of the good and the decent worshipers, many of whom have made a long journey to celebrate in the temple courts. In the narrative, there's also mention of Bethany, a city located on the other side of the Mount of Olives. At first, it seems irrelevant to the story, but upon investigation, we find that scholars believe the name for Bethany is derived from Aramaic, Bethini, which means house of figs. We're told that Bethany was known for having figs that ripened earlier than most. Regarding the leadership at the time, they are often referred to in the Gospels and in the book of Acts as Judeans. Now, we've covered this in another article, yet one can see how translating the word here from Judeans to Jews causes a problem and supports that earlier theory we looked at. Nevertheless, the pressure had been mounting throughout the narrative between Jesus and the particular leaders of that time in Judea. It was the leadership who were responsible for leading the multitude of Jewish people and upholding the Torah. As the Talmud concurs, though the people at this time were engaged in learning and good deeds, they lacked thorough and upright models of leadership at the highest levels in Jerusalem, which is in the area of Judea. This enabled unfortunately, multilateral sectarianism, of which the first century was known for. Thus, it seems the cursing of the fig tree is symbolic and serves as an indictment and prophecy upon those very leaders. They had the knowledge, represented by the presence of the leaves on the fig tree, yet they produced no fruit. Being the upholders of the temple, they were expected to set a model for the nation. The message is that they were to be a house of figs, ripe and blooming with good fruit in season, ready and awaiting the harvest of the messianic redemption. Reading from one of the oldest parts of the Mishnah, Perkeavo, we read, One whose deeds exceed his wisdom, to what may he be compared? To a tree whose branches are few, but his roots are many, so that even if all the winds in the world came and blow upon it, they cannot move it out of its place. As it is said, he shall be like a tree planted by waters, sending forth its root by its stream. Now, in this passage, it also compares someone whose wisdom exceeds their deeds. And in, in reverse, we see that they are full of branches, but they don't have deep roots. For us, the lesson is this. We need to put our deeds and our wisdom together in the service of the Creator. If we're imbalanced, if we're all wisdom and no action, or all action and no wisdom, then we stand the chance to be like the fig tree that doesn't produce good fruit. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information like this, again, visit our website, thehiddenorchard.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter and look out for other articles posted there throughout the weeks. Reach out to us and let us know what you think of the show. Until next time, have a great week.